Today's edition of the Roma Press Podcast is brought to you by EuroFantasyLeague.com. For the very best in online fantasy football, make sure you check out EuroFantasyLeague.com. Make sure you check out their multi-league games, and they also have dedicated league games for La Liga, Serie A, the Premier League, Bundesliga, Ligon, everything you want, they have it. Make sure you check them out, EuroFantasyLeague.com. Welcome to the Roma Press Podcast with John Solano. Welcome back. Another edition of the Roma Press Podcast. I'm RomaPress.us editor John Solano. And my co-host Andy will not be with me on this one. So you're stuck with just me ranting and raving about Roma's 2-1 to loss against Milan. Difficult to know where to start. It was a horrible performance. Horrible by all accounts. Nobody, for me, really put a foot right. You know, had uh, Steven Nzonzi not conceded or made that mistake on the last goal, I would have told you that he was easily, in my opinion, the strongest player on the night for Roma. But, wow, poor, poor all around. Poor from the manager, the players. Everything went wrong. And as per usual with the first loss of the season, everybody panics, everybody overreacts, everybody makes these far-reaching assumptions. This player is shit, that player is shit, Monchi is shit, Di Francesco is shit, everyone is shit. Yeah, it's true, Aroma have not looked good these first few matches against Torino, underwhelming against Atalanta. They were opened up horribly against Milan. 26 conceded shots. Let's let's take that in, and I'll say it again very slowly. 26 conceded shots, 10 of which were actually on goal. To lose 2-1 to one and concede 26 shots, phew, that could be considered a miracle. The fact of the matter is every single player for Roma has been underwhelming so far early in the season. Di Francesco, you know, I... <laughs> You know, I'm certainly not Di Francesco out, but it's been three matches. We've seen three different formations. We've seen three drastically, drastically different approaches. With that 4-3-3, we saw a very direct approach. With that 4-2-3-1, an extensively attacking approach. With the 3-4-1-2 with Pastore behind Sheik and Dzeko. A very physical side. They wanted to run through the channels, make those inside runs, none of which actually happened. So I don't know what he is thinking at this point. It's very worrying, and I just tweeted this out, that his second full summer, and he still doesn't have a preferred approach, a preferred formation. Yes, he has played his 4-3-3 formation, with the direct approach that he used for the majority of last season and uh, against Torino. But we saw that that doesn't work. He has not properly adjusted his tactics from Sassuolo to Roma. Now, obviously, we saw flashes of him showing change against Barcelona in the Champions League last season. 
but he has not properly altered his tactics. You cannot play the same way Sassuolo do at Roma. Teams do not play Roma the same way they do Sassuolo. They just don't. It's a fact. So thinking that the same approach, the same tactics, the same formation would just plug in and play and work fine at Roma is incredibly naive. And it's very worrying, quite frankly. You know, Roma looked far better in that 4-2-3-1, which was very attack-minded. And to see Di Francesco opt away from that and go with a very physical 3-4-1-2 was baffling to me. Roma looked excellent against Atalanta in that 4-2-3-1, and I thought it was almost a guarantee that he would throw out his side against Milan with a similar approach, with a similar formation, but not the case at all. Not the case at all. And that's very disappointing because Derossi looked comfortable in that formation and Zonzi looked great. Pastore played his best half of the season, playing just behind the striker. Very, 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 very troubling. Now, I don't want to go through all the ratings just because nobody really did well. And Zonzi, as I said, up until that crucial mistake that led to the Coutrone goal, I thought he was pretty good. Sheik, in the first half, I thought, did well. Dzeko, uh, pretty much anonymous. Roma had six shots in the entire match versus Milan's 26. In three matches, Roma have conceded a whopping 50 three shots 53 shots three matches into the season and Roma have conceded 53 shots I mean do you want to know what the problem is because it's pretty clear (laughs) defense shit midfield terrible I mean it's pretty evident what the issue is and I'm not buying people saying oh well they let go of Strootman they let go of Nainggolan what did you expect they could have Strootman and Angolan playing in the very same approach and they'd be shipping the same number of shots and goals. Don't give me that. Everyone's saying Strootman and Angolan were strong last season. I, I mean, if, if you haven't Googled or you don't know what recency bias is, I would recommend Googling that because Strootman and Angolan would not be fixing any of the issues that are currently on display at Roma right now. They wouldn't. The problem is the formation, the tactics, the approach, in my opinion. Di Francesco is the problem right now. He's got to find something that works because you cannot be experimenting in match like this. Uh, Roma is not the environment for that. The supporters do not have the patience. The team, the club, cannot afford in-match experimentation. Because guess what? Missing out on the Champions League for this club disaster doesn't even begin to explain how much of an impact it would have on this club so Di Francesco has to find something that works this changing formation and approach at halftime every single match like he has so far this season not going to work it's not going to work I'm just beyond baffled as to why he could not throw out again the 4-2-3-1 with Derossi and Nzonzi playing alongside each other with El Shirawi Pastore, Cliver playing behind Dzeko. After the match, Di Francesco said Under was suffering from cramps, so he wanted to give a winger, 
You want to give the winger some rest. I just, for the life of me, do not understand why he would not go with that 4-2-3-1 again. That was Roma's best half of the season against Atalanta when they deployed that formation. They were fluid in attack. They were crisp with the passing. Kolarov was able to get forward. Didossi provided great cover. It made all the sense in the world to deploy that formation again, and he did it. And I think it's incredibly naive on his part to do so. You know, a lot of people are blaming this on Munchie. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. Inzanzi has been good. Yes, he had a crucial mistake, but he was good up until that. Clivert, sensational. Olsen, believe it or not, I'm sure some people will hate to admit this because it would go against their, their anti-Munchie agenda. Olsen was good against Milan. He was not at fault. The ones who have been letting Roma down the most, the defense. Manolas, Fazio, terrible. Not one of them has put a single foot right. I don't care if Fazio had a goal. I don't care if Manolas had a goal against Atalanta. Their defensive displays have been embarrassing. Fazio's movement is some of the worst I have ever seen. It's reminiscent of his first few months at Roma when he was absolutely lost and looked like a fish out of water. He looked like a mid-table player, and that's what he's looked like early on this season. I just, for the life of me, don't know what he was doing on that first goal where Rodriguez just slipped the ball in cleanly to Kessier. I mean, Fazio looked looked like a City C player. And we don't need to mention how he was against Atalanta. And the same thing goes for Manolas. Against Torino, not good. Atalanta, terrible. Today, not good again. When your two worst players on the pitch are both of your central defenders, the odds of you winning anything or conquering any points are zero. They're zero. So Di Francesco has to figure something out. I don't know if that means bringing in Marcano to the side. I don't know if that means bringing Juan Jesus into the side. If those are the answers, then we have some very difficult questions that need to be answered because... I don't know what to make of this. Um, Di Francesco said it after the match that they are not nearly as compact as they were last season. And he's absolutely right. He is unequivocally absolutely right. Anyone who can't remember last season, they had difficulty scoring goals, but at least they were solid defensively. Roma last season were able to shithouse their way to a 1-0 victory and grab all three points. I mean, this season, they're averaging over 15 shots conceded on goal. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. And that's down to Di Francesco and the tactics. That's down to the players and their poor performances. This just can't continue. Now, obviously this is going to sound very over-exaggerating, but it's only three matches into the season. Four points for Roma. That's not good. That's not good at all. But these next upcoming matches in the league are crucial. Roma have... Kievo at home, Real Madrid away, and then they play away from home against Bologna. Now, pretty difficult to envision any sort of results against Madrid at the Bernabeu, but absolutely unequivocally have to hammer Kievo and absolutely unequivocally have to conquer all three points against Bologna, or this could get very ugly very, very quick. You know, watching that today, there was a part of me... Not that I, it, it, we'll just call it a brief thought that came across my head, but part of me thought 
this was extremely reminiscent of Rudy Garcia in the 2015-2016 season right before Spalletti entered the fray. If any of you remember that match at Roma dropped points against Milan just before Spalletti was appointed. Roma looked lost. They didn't look like they had any sort of answer at the back and attack. Nothing was going right for them. And just by the looks of it, just aesthetically, for a brief moment to me, it looked like this Roma had the looks of that. They have a manager who cannot adapt properly. They have players who seem to be being played out of position, out of their role. And it just doesn't look like it's working. Now, again, could that be over-exaggerating? Absolutely. Absolutely it might be. But only DiFrancesco can get this figured out. Yes, the players have been playing very poorly. Yes, there have been some underwhelming performances. But DiFrancesco has to find the right approach and the right formation. Again, you cannot be in-match experimenting like this. To me, I, I'm mentioning it for the third time, but to see him move away from that 4-2-3-1 when that was the best they've looked in the three matches this season is baffling to me. Absolutely baffling. Fazio in the back three looked beyond exposed. Manolas, again, just poor overall. He didn't do a great job tracking Iguain. Marcano on that first goal, Caught out of position. I'm not going to blame him entirely because Fazio was so poor on that. So poor on that. You just have a bunch of players playing very, very poorly. And when you have that, it's up to the manager to help and bring aid to his side by putting out a formation, by putting out an approach that puts his players in the best formation to put their best characteristics forward. And that has not happened so far. That is my biggest issue with Di Francesco. That, in my opinion, is the biggest issue with this Roma. I don't think it's the market. I don't think it's Monchi. I really, really don't. Now, I do think that in terms of depth, the team is much better. Cristante has not looked good so far. He entered the fray today, and he did not look good when he was brought on. But again, I blame most of that on the approach. If you put him in a 4-2-3-1 right behind the striker... That's his role. That's what he did at Atalanta. He didn't play as a Metzala in a 4-3-3, but that's what he came on to play. Pastore, not a Metzala. Pellegrini, that's what he did at Sassuolo, but teams don't play Roma the same way they do Sassuolo. So Di Francesco has to get this figured out because it cannot continue like this. He cannot be going from a 4-3-3 with direct approach to a 4-2-3-1 that's a bit unbalanced more towards the attacking side. It can't happen. This has to get solved. This absolutely has to get solved. Now we'll see how he reacts. The market is closed, so the answers are going to have to come from within. Let's see what Di Francesco can do because it is worrying up until this point that Roma simply look like they have no character. They look like they have no correct formation, approach, anything. They look like a team without answers. It's up to the manager to find those answers. Now, I've seen this floated around quite a bit. And, again, I'm not at this point DiFrancesco out. But it has been floated by many on social media particularly. Antonio Conte. Antonio Conte. Certainly a better manager than DiFrancesco. There's no arguing that. Nobody is going to 
compare the two. Antonio Conte is a far better manager than Di Francesco. He has the hardware to prove it. Now, would Conte work at Roma? I really don't know, quite frankly. He left Juve because Juve wouldn't uh, buy big players for, for the Champions League. Would he be able to cope with Roma selling like this? I don't know. The next biggest issue is when you bring up Conte, the wages. You want to know the one reason why Eusebio Di Francesco is at Roma? His wages. He makes close to nothing. Let me rewind that. Not that he earns close to nothing. He earns about 2 million euros. Just above. You want to compare that to what Allegri earns? It's not even close. Not even close. So is Conte a pipe dream? Maybe. Maybe. Again, right now I'm not. Di Francesco must be sacked. I think that this is a good Milan side. However, Roma, we're lucky to lose only 2-1 to one because, again, conceding 26 shots, you're never going to win that way. Never. Never. Even if you have a Zeman side that goes all out attack and lags at the back, you're never going to win this way. So hopefully Di Francesco has an answer because these tactics do not work with this side and he has to find the correct approach, the correct formation. Otherwise, I have a feeling that uh, Palotta, Zecca, I have a feeling that the leash on Di Francesco is very, very short because they understand missing out on the Champions League is beyond a disaster. You think it's bad with selling players when the club is in the Champions League? Just wait if they were to miss out on the Champions League. It would be, I mean, you complain now about players being sold. If that were to happen, I may have to leave social media just due to all the complaining that would go on. If Roma were to miss out on the Champions League, it would be a cataclysmic disaster that I don't think many can appreciate. The club is just so sensitive financially, so sensitive, that one missed season in the Champions League would be unequivocally disastrous, regardless of how much they earned this past season in the Champions League. It would be a disaster. Now, obviously, that's hyperbole. We don't even want to travel down that road yet, but this has to get fixed. This absolutely has to get fixed, and it has to start with Di Francesco. The quality is in this team. And Zonzi is a great player. Regardless of what you think about Monchi, I'm sure that's going to ruin your anti-Monchi agenda. But Nzonzi is a good player. Justin Clivert is a good player. Brian Cristante is a good player. These are good players who are being let down by their manager. So hopefully Di Francesco can get this figured out. So that's where I'm going to leave it for today. I also, before we end this episode, I need to give a brief mention to the newest patrons of the Roma Press Podcast on Patreon. If you are able and willing to support the Roma Press Podcast, please check out the support page on romapress.us. I can't thank you guys enough. The success to the website, to this podcast is all down to you, and I am eternally grateful for all the support we've been given up until this point. However, I need to give a brief mention to Bruno, who you can find on Twitter at J-O-V-A-N-E Roll, and Nicola, who is at N-I-C underscore Castle 13. So that's at G-J-O 
V-A-N-E roll, Bruno, and then Nicola at N-I-C underscore C-A-S-T-L-E 13. Thank you both for supporting the podcast. I am immensely grateful for it. And again, this podcast, the website is all entirely down to those who support it. And I thank you all so much. So that's where we're going to leave it. Again, this podcast, it, I'm sure a lot of this is going to come off as hyperbole. I understand that. It's one match. The tendency to overreact is always there. But let's take a deep breath. It's one loss. Roma, it's, Roma are, you know, they're still figuring themselves out. So, again, let's hope Di Francesco can find the right approach, find the right formation, find the right uh, sort of switch to turn on for his players. Roma face Chievo at home in their next league match, so that should undoubtedly without question be a victory because Chievo, my my fellow Venetian side, is a terrible, 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 terrible club, and it would please me so much to see, see them in Stadia be where they belong because they're a nothing club with one of the worst, if not the worst, stadium in all of Europe. Again, that's probably hyperbole again, but they do have a terrible stadium. I would never recommend going to the Bentagoti to see a match. But until next time, that's where we're going to leave it. Thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, ciao.